Up until now, the Perek has been discussing cases where somebody enters the Hamikdash or eats a carbon whilst he is Tomei. And he does so by mistake. He didn't know that he was Tomei, or he didn't know that it was the Beit Hamikdash, or that it was carbon meat. This Mishnah begins somebody who violates this Avera intentionally. He knows that he is Tomei, and he nevertheless enters the Beit Hamikdash, and he or he eats a carbon knowingly. If he received warning that the punishment for this is Malchus, then indeed his punishment is he'll get Malchus. He'll be lashed. And that would be his atonement. However, in a case where he did not receive warning and he didn't receive Malchus, how is his atonement reached? Soir Hanas Bifnim, the goat whose blood is thrown inside the Kodesh HaKadoshim by the Kohen Godol on Yom Kippur, as well as Vyoma Kippurim, the actual day of Yom Kippur itself, when the day arrives, the day itself has the power to atone for certain sins. Chaprin, these things atone for this person entering the Beis Hamikdash or eating the carbon whilst he was Tomei, intentionally. And this is learnt from Psukim. Now, so far in these Mishnais in the Perak, we've seen two goats which were brought as Karbonis on Yom Kippur. One is the Karbon Musaf of Yom Kippur, which was offered in the, on the Mizbeach in the courtyard of the Beis Hamikdash. And the other Karbon, which we've seen the blood of that goat thrown in the Kodesh HaKadoshim by the Kohen Godel, that atones for certain things. For all of the other Averis in the Torah, which the Jewish people have violated throughout the year, there is a third goat for which, uh, which brings the atonement for those Averis. Both the lighter, less severe Averis and the more severe Averis. The Averis which were violated on purpose and those which were violated unintentionally. Which means it was known to him, or if it wasn't known to him, we're talking about a case where somebody possibly violated an Avera for which he is liable a carbon chatos. The law is if somebody is not sure whether he violated an Avera for which the punishment is carbon chatos, there is a different carbon, an Oshom Toloi, which he would need to bring in such a situation. So this person is effectively liable to bring a carbon Oshem Toloi, but we're going to see that this is the only type of carbon which if Yom Kippur arrives, then he no longer needs to bring a carbon Oshem after Yom Kippur, because the atonement which he would have got from bringing the carbon Oshem Toloi he received on Yom Kippur. So Hoida refers to a case where he knew about it before Yom Kippur arrived. He knew that he needed to bring a carbon Oshem Toloi. And Lohoida refers to a case where he didn't find out until after Yom Kippur that he was liable to bring a carbon Oshem Toloi. And both of these cases, he actually won't need to bring it because Yom Kippur passed. Asseh Veloisase, both mitzvahs, positive mitzvahs, which one failed to do, and Averus, which one did. And the Gemara explains this is actually an explanation of what the Mishnah earlier on said, the lighter Averus, the less severe Averus. The Mishnah is saying this refers to regular positive or negative mitzvahs, and when the Mishnah said more severe Averus, that is referring to Kareisos or Misos Beistin, Averus whose punishment is Kores or being killed by the Beistin. For all of these Averus, says the Mishnah, the goat which is thrown off the cliff on Yom Kippur, also known as the Sorel Azazel, that atones for all of the sins of the Jewish people throughout the year. The Kohen Godel would first give a confession on behalf of all of the Jewish people, and then they would send a messenger to take this goat um, a certain distance away from the Beis to a cliff and throw it off the cliff. 
Which is Zion. Before we see this Mishnah, it's important to summarize. We've seen in this parak the three different goats which provide atonement for different things on Yom Kippur. Firstly, the blood, the, the goat whose blood is thrown in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, that atones for somebody who intentionally ate Karbonis or entered the Mesamiklos whilst he is Tomei, and as well as that, somebody who knew that he was Tomei and then forgot about it, and he ate a Karbon or he entered the Mesamiklosh, and he hasn't yet found out and remembered that he was Tomei when he did that. We learned earlier on in the Perek that this same goat whose blood is sprinkled and thrown in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, that doesn't atone fully for the sin, but it suspends his punishment. It prevents any suffering or punishment coming to him until he finds out and realizes and remembers that he was Tommy when he ate the korban or he entered the Besamekdosh. Alright, as well as that, we have the korban Musaf, the goat which was part of the korban Musaf, which was brought on the Mizbeach in the courtyard of the Besamekdosh. And that atones for a case where somebody didn't know that he was Tomei, and he ate the korban when he entered the Besamekdosh while he still didn't know. And after he did that, then he found out that he was Tomei. And thirdly, we have the Sarmish Taleach, the goat which was thrown off the cliff, and that would atone for all of the Averis of the Jewish people. Now, this, for the focus of this Mishnah, are the differences between Kohanim and the rest of the Jewish people. Certain Averis of the Kohanim were atoned for by different Karbanais to the rest of the Jewish people. Echad Yisraelim, Echad Kohanim, Echad Kohanim, Moshuach. Whether we're talking about the entire Jewish people, or the Kohanim, or the Kohen Godel, the various of all of them are atoned for by the Sarah Mishtaleach, the goat which is thrown off the cliff. That is regarding Averis, which have not got anything to do with Tumah and entering the Besamikdash and eating Karbanais. Asks the Mishnah, What is the difference between the rest of the Jewish people and the Karanim and the Kohen Godel? The blood of the ox, which is brought as a Karban Chatos by the Kohen Godel on Yom Kippur, that was a special carbon bought from the Kohen Godel's own money, that would provide the atonement for the Kohen Godel and for all of the Karanim's Averis, to do with being Tomei and entering the Beis Hamikdash or eating Karbanais. Whereas for the rest of the Jewish people, the other two goats, the one which was offered as the Karban Musaf and the goat whose blood was sprinkled in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, they would atone for the rest of the Jewish people's Averis involving those things. But according to this opinion of the Mishnah, regarding all other Averis, it was exactly the same for the Karanim and for the rest of the Jewish people. However, Rabbi Shimon says, I'm going to prove to you that the Sar HaMishtaleach only atoned for the Jewish people's sins, but not for the Karanim's sins. How does it, how is he going to prove it? Just like the blood of the goat, which is thrown and sprinkled in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, atones for certain sins on behalf of the Jewish people only. And that does two things. Firstly, it atones for the sins of entering the Beis Hamikdash or eating Karbonus whilst one is Tomei on purpose. And it also suspends the punishment for somebody who has not yet found out and remembered that he was Tomei. Now, there is no vidui, there's no confession which is made before that blood is sprinkled in the Kodesh Even though, like we mentioned before, the Sorahamish Taleach, before the goat was sent off to the cliff to be thrown off, the Kongodol would declare a confession on behalf of the sins of all the all of the Jewish people. When it comes to the goat's blood which was thrown in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, no confession took place. So we see that in order to atone for those sins, no confession was needed. Now, for the Kohanim, 
How did they receive their atonement for these Averis? Well, the Mishnah already told us earlier on in the first half of the Mishnah, the blood of the bull of the Korban Chatos, which was bought by the Kohen Gadol, that would atone for all of the Averis to do with Tumah in the Mesa Mikdosh and Korbanos for the Kohanim. The issue is that we find that before the Kohen Gadol would bring that Korban Chatos to atone for the Kohanim's sins in these areas, he would make a whole confession. A vidui would take place. So why is it that there was a vidui for the korban which atoned for the Kranim Zaveras in this area of Tumah with the Hamikdash and Karbanais, whereas for the Yisraelim, for the rest of the Jewish people, no confession was needed? Says Rabbi Shimon, it must be that the confession was needed for something else. The actual korban would atone just for the sins of Tumas Mikdash Vikadashov. And the confession which was added would atone for all of the Adaviris of the Kohanim. And so it comes out that the confession and the throwing off of the Swamish Taleach off the cliff wasn't needed for the Kohanim. Because the Kohanim's Adaviris were atoned for by the confession of this carbon, Chatos, the bull which the Kohen would bring for them. So Rishimon says, Just like the confession which was made by the Kohen Godol before the goat was sent off the cliff, just like that confession would atone for all of the sins of the Jewish people, so too the confession which was made before this bull, which was Korban Chatos, before that was offered up, that confession was needed to atone for the sins of the Kohanim. And so according to Rabbi Shimon, the Soramish Taleach had nothing to do with the Kranim and it would only atone for the rest of the sins of the Jewish people. Most of the first Perek talked about cases of Tumas Mikdash V'Kadoshov, of a virus involving being Tomei whilst eating a carbon or entering the Beis HaMikdash, but where the atonement is not an in- the individual bringing a carbon, but rather the carbon Musaf of Yom Kippur, Rish the Sholish Regalim, etc. This Mishnah goes back to what the first Mishnah of the Masechta talked about, which is really the reason for why we're going so sidetracked to discuss things which don't have anything to do with the real subject matter of the Masechta. And that is, the first Mishnah, and it's repeated over here, said the phrase, Arba, which literally means, the knowledge of Tuma is two which are really four. Meaning... Cases where somebody who is Tomei, who eats a carbon or who enters the Beis HaMikdosh whilst he is Tomei, can be split into four different cases. Two of them are explicitly mentioned in the Torah, and two of them are learned from the Pesukim, but they're not mentioned as explicitly. And in these four cases, the person who violated that Avera would be liable to bring a carbon Oilevayoyred. A carbon Oilevayoyred is a carbon Chatos, and the reason why it's called a carbon Oilevayoyred, a carbon which goes up and down, is because... Unlike a regular chatos, this carbon chatos depends on how wealthy the person is. If he is wealthy enough, then he would bring a sheep as the carbon. If he is more poor, then he would bring a carbon of birds. And if he's extremely poor, then he would bring flour as his carbon chatos. But as it may, the Mishnah says, the knowledge of Tumas, two which are really four, and now the Mishnah will mention the four cases. If the person became Tomei, and he knew that he became Tomei, but after that, the Tumor was hidden from him, meaning he forgot that he was Tomei, and he ate the meat of a carbon, and he remembers, he realizes that, he, that it's carbon meat. He just doesn't realize that he is Tomei. 
That is one out of four, and that is explicit in the Torah. Now the Mishnah lists one which is not explicit in the Torah. If it was hidden from him, the fact that it's carbon meat, he didn't realize that that which he was eating is a carbon meat. The Zohar is Atuma, but he remembers, he realizes that he is Tomei. So again, he's violating the Aveira unintentionally because he doesn't realize that it's carbon meat. This is one which is not explicit in the Torah. So far we have two cases. Now the Mishnah mentions a third case which is not one of the four. If both facts are hidden from him, he doesn't remember that he's Tomei and he doesn't realize that this is carbon meat. And he eats the carbon meat and he doesn't realize that it's carbon meat. And after he ate it, he remembers that he's Tomei and he realizes that it was carbon meat and he realizes that he committed that Avera. In these three cases which you just described, he would be liable to bringing a carbon oile v'yoyed. Now the Mishnah mentions the parallel cases regarding entering the base Hamikdash. Nitma v'yodah, he became Tomei, and he knew that he was Tomei. But afterwards, the fact that he was Tomei became hidden from him, he forgot about it. But he is fully aware that he is entering the base Hamikdash, he just didn't realize he was Tomei. Or, that, that's the case which is explicit in the Torah. Or, the fourth case, this is the second case which is not explicit in the Torah. If the fact that he was entering the Beis Hamikdash was hidden from him, he didn't realize that it was the Beis Hamikdash. The Zohar is but he did remember that he was Tomei. Or if both facts were forgotten from him, he didn't realize that he was Tomei, and he didn't realize that he was entering into the Beis Hamikdash. Hamikdash, and he entered the Beis Hamikdash, and he didn't realize at the time, but after he left the Beis Hamikdash, then Yoda, he realized that he entered the Beis Hamikdash in a state of Tumah. In these three cases as well, he would be liable to bring a carbon Olivyoyed. And it should be noted that in all of these cases, he knew that he had become Tomei at the beginning. Just after that, either he forgot he was Tomei, or he forgot that it was a carbon with the Beis Hamikdash. But there was some point before he did the Lavera that he knew that he became Tomei. Mr. Base, regarding the prohibition of entering the Beis Hamikdash whilst one is Tomei, that applies from the courtyard of the Beis Hamikdash inwards. Not only that, says the Mishnah, both one who enters into the courtyard of the Beis Hamikdash, which was originally part of the Beis Hamikdash's courtyard when it was built, or even if somebody enters the part of the courtyard of the Beis Hamikdash which was added on later on, and it wasn't part of the original courtyard, Nevertheless, once it was added on, it became part of the courtyard with exactly the same level of sanctity and holiness. So even if he enters into that part, he would violate the Savera and would need to bring a carbon olivioid. And the rest of the Mishnah describes the process involved in expanding the courtyard of the Besamikdash. And the same would apply to expanding Yerushalayim. There are certain laws which apply to the city of Yerushalayim, which is also more holy than other cities. For example, many carbonates need to be eaten within Yerushalayim. So if the Sanhedrin of that generation saw it fitting and necessary to expand Yerushalayim, they could do so and Yerushalayim would become bigger. And the same level of holiness would exist in the expanded area as well. And the Mishnah says, They cannot add on to the size of the city of Yerushalayim or to the courtyard of the Beit HaMikdash, Ella, unless they have the Melech, a king, the Novi, and a prophet, the Urim Vatumim. The Urim Vatumim was a special piece of parchment inside the Chayshen, the breastplate which the Kohen Godel wore, and they were able to ask Hashem questions via that. 
and they would miraculously receive an answer through the Chayshen and the Urim Tumim. But as may, there needs to be an Urim Tumim there present, with a Sanhedrin Shalshim Ve'echad, with a Sanhedrin Shalshim Ve'echad, and there needs to be a Sanhedrin, the big basin of 71 judges. The reason why there has to be all of these things is because all of these things were present when the Mishkon was originally set up. And it's learned from Pesukim that the fact that one is, that they're able to expand the courtyard of the Samikdash, and the same goes to Yerushalayim, expanding Yerushalayim, they require everything which was present at the time that the Mishkan was set up. Moshe Rabbeinu had the status of a king, and he was also a prophet, as was Aaron, Aaron, and Aaron Akon was there, he was the Kohen Godol, so they had the Urim Vatumim, and they had the Sanhedrin of 71 judges as well. So all of those things are necessary, and which literally means two carbonized toida, but the truth is, the Gemara explains, it's referring to two of the loaves of bread which were brought together with the carbon toida. The carbon toida is brought when one wants to give special thanks to Hashem, and that was brought on this occasion. But whenever a carbon toida was brought, 40 loaves of bread were also brought together with it. And two of these loaves need to be used in the procedure, as the Mishnah will explain in a second. Over Shir, and one last thing which is necessary, is song and rejoicing, as they are carrying out the procedure to expand Jerusalem or the courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash. How would they carry out the procedure? Which we're going to translate to mean that the Beistin, the Sanhedrin of 71 judges, would walk behind the two loaves of bread, meaning there'd be people carrying the two loaves of bread, walking around the courtyard of the Bishamikdash or around the city of Yerushalayim, up to the place where they are expanding the area. So the first people in the line were the people carrying the loaves with the carbon toida. Behind that would be the members of the Sanhedrin, V'chol Yisrael Achareyem, and the rest of the Jewish people who are present there would be walking behind the Sanhedrin, and they would walk all around, let's say, Yerushalayim, the new expanded Yerushalayim, and Hapanimis Le'echeles, at the end, the loaf of bread which is on the inner half, which is more inwards towards the city of Yerushalayim, that would be eaten, the Achitzoina, and the one which is outer, which is more outwards, pointing away from the city in Israfes, that loaf of bread was burnt, to symbolize that the area where they walked is the boundary of the holiness of Yerushalayim, that was symbolized by burning the outer one. And it should be noted that this, the, the two loaves of bread brought as part of the carbon toida, this part of the procedure was only done when they expanded Yerushalayim, but not when they expanded the courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash. But yes, may says the Mishnah, any expansion of the courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash, which was not done with all of these conditions, well, that doesn't become part of the courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash. And therefore, Nechnas Hashem, if somebody enters there whilst he is Tome, would not be liable to a current Oliver Yoraid because it didn't enter the Beis HaMikdash. This area did not receive the same sanctity as the Beis HaMikdash.